If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. It is time for believer's baptism. That's the title of my message today. And this passage is probably one of the most familiar ones in in all scripture. This is the Great Commission. It's the Lord's parting words uh, for his church, for his people down through the ages. And these words, of course, are still apropos for us to take as a challenge to each one of us. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Baptism is one of the most important one of the most meaningful, and one of the most beautiful experiences that a Christian can have. You will be greatly blessed when you experience it. You might sometimes hear somebody refer to that Baptist doctrine of baptism by immersion. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say that, but uh, it's not a Baptist doctrine. If Baptists have a Baptist doctrine, we ought to get rid of it. We also need to do away with the Methodist doctrine and the Episcopalian doctrine and the Presbyterian doctrine and the Roman Catholic doctrine. We need to just go to the Bible and claim the Bible as our doctrine and follow it and read it and study it, uh, and that that will do the job. If what uh, I talk to you about today is not in the Bible, then don't believe it. So listen real hard, (laughs) uh, because I want you to get each part. If it is in the Bible, then you need to say, that is God's word, and I want to stand on God's word. Somebody uh, might say, Baptism, that's just incidental. It's not really all that important. People that uh, say that are wrong. Uh, Baptism is not incidental. It's fundamental. And we want to remember never to minimize that which God has maximized. Think of the ministry of Jesus. He had a public three-and-a-half-year ministry. How did he begin that? You remember? He was baptized in the River Jordan. That's how he started. You remember how he concluded it? With a great commission that said to go out and teach and preach and baptize uh, those uh, that heard and understood the message. Well, what is the method of baptism? Some people say The Bible teaches all kinds of different uh, ways to be baptized. There's sprinkling, there's immersion, there's pouring, all kinds of different ways. Well, that's wrong. The Bible doesn't teach a lot of different ways. There's only one kind of water baptism that is taught in the Bible, and that is immersion. It's the only one. Let's see how Jesus was baptized. In Mark 1, 9, 
it says that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. In verse 10, it says he came up out of the water. Now, if he came up out of the water, where does that mean that he was? He was down in the water. And he came up out of the water. It's obvious that Jesus was baptized by immersion. Why was John the Baptist baptizing in that specific place? In John 3.23, it says, because there was much water there. I remember the first time I baptized somebody in our church, and at the end I said, there's much water here. What would hinder you from being baptized? A lot of people all over the church just laughed. They thought that was supposed to be humorous or something. Uh, It's really not supposed to be humorous. Uh, It's saying that the uh, situation is presented where there's much water, and you can be immersed. You can be baptized. It takes a lot of water uh, to baptize someone. I baptized my wife, Cindy, and about six other folks uh, years ago when we went to Israel. Uh, they wanted to be baptized in the Jordan. And, of course, there's a very famous place over there where that takes place. And a lot of people believe, and a lot of uh, books have been written about it, that perhaps that was the place uh, where Jesus was baptized because in that particular place there is a lot of water in the Jordan River. In Acts 8, there is a story about Philip. He met an Ethiopian eunuch who was traveling. The Ethiopian had been to Jerusalem to worship. And as he traveled back, he ran into Philip along the road, and they uh, met and started talking. And as the course of events uh, came, uh, Philip led him to the Lord. And then the man said, well, now that I've trusted Christ, I want to be baptized. Acts 8.36 says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may be baptized. The eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, notice this, the next verse. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. The biblical baptism pictured here is not always convenient, but that is the method that is used in the Bible of baptism. Baptism by immersion was originally practiced by all the various churches in Christendom, all of them immersed. In the 13th century, the Roman Catholics changed what they did. They began to uh, sprinkle people rather than immerse them. When you go to Europe and you look around in those ancient uh, Catholic churches, uh, go up and look at the pictures. Uh, Cindy and I did that on a trip, and there's many pictures in the Catholic churches of people being immersed. And you can date those pictures because it was uh, before the 13th century when they changed. 
George Whitfield, a leading Methodist, commenting on Romans 6.4 said that early baptism was always done by immersion. Leading Episcopalians have always known that Romans 6.4 was speaking of immersion. John Calvin, a Presbyterian, said early baptism was always immersion. Martin Luther, a Lutheran, said all believers should be immersed because that is the meaning of the word. Philip Schaff, a leading Lutheran, said immersion and not sprinkling was the original form of baptism. It had nothing to do, that word had nothing to do with religion itself. The word simply means to immerse. It's just a plain, ordinary word, not necessarily a religious word at all. But Jesus picked up that word and talked about uh, being baptized, used that word, Uh, in what was happening in the church, what John the Baptist was doing day after day after day, immersing people in water for the forgiveness of their sins. Did you know that the word baptize is basically an untranslated word in our Bible? It's really a Greek word that means to immerse. King James of England got together a whole group of scholars and told them that he wanted them to translate the Bible into English. And so they got together. They worked on it for a good while. Uh, They did the Old Testament. They didn't have a lot of trouble with that. They felt like God was leading them. Then they got to the New Testament and they went back and got some of the very old uh, Greek manuscripts. When they came to this word baptize, it was a big, big problem for them. The king at that time in his church practiced sprinkling. And he was the one who had said, translate the scripture to English. These scholars knew that they were in trouble whichever way they went. If they took that word and translated it as sprinkling, anybody who knew the Greek language would know that that was wrong and they would be laughed out of the kingdom. But on the other hand, if they translated it to immersion, then it would be a source of embarrassment to the king. So you know what they decided to do? they decided to just leave it like it was, baptize. So that is an untranslated word in our Bibles. Each time, if you want to, when you're reading through the Bible and you come to that word, you can do your own personal translation. And you can say to yourself, that means to immerse. That's what the word means. I defy anybody uh, to show me anywhere in the Bible that sprinkling or pouring is taught as a form of baptism. Let me save you a lot of time. It's not in there. It's just not in there. The meaning and method are inextricably interwoven. Very, very important. If you change the method, 
then you destroy the meaning. The method and the meaning are bound together. In Romans 6, 4 through 7, it says this, Therefore we were buried with him, talking about Jesus, through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk after our baptism in newness of life. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, our old body, our old ways, all of that uh, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who dies, talking about being baptized, has died unto sin. Now this passage says that baptism is the picture of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what he did. Died on the cross, was buried, and then he rose from the dead. It's related to our spiritual experience, our death unto sin and self, our burial as we go down into the water, our resurrection as we're brought up to honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this, baptism pictures and symbolizes the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason we say we must adhere to the method because if you change the method, you destroy the picture. Baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You can't picture a burial by sprinkling a few drops on somebody's head. When you go under the water, you are placed in a liquid tomb. We are buried with him, the scripture says, through baptism. When we come out of the water, that pictures our resurrection. We are raised to walk in newness of life. I say that at almost every baptism that we have here at our church. The reason is because it's all tied together. The method, the meaning, the picture, all of it, the message that we get. It's all tied together. Well, what is the gospel? Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, and then he was buried And then he rose again on the third day, 1 Corinthians 15. That's the gospel. That's the story that we need to be sharing with the lost world. And that's what baptism pictures, our identification with the Lord Jesus and his saving gospel. When Jesus was baptized, he was picturing his death, his burial, His resurrection. For each one of us, when we are baptized, we are picturing our identification with his death and burial and resurrection 
that he went through for us. Just think of what this pictures. I have been delivered from my sin. My sin is buried in the grave of God's forgetfulness. I am a new person. Baptism not only pictures my death with him, but also my resurrection of life with him. Now, don't ever think that baptism saves you. I know some people believe that. Some denominations teach that. That is not what the Bible says. It doesn't even help you to be saved. That would be a tragic theological mistake if you were to believe that. But baptism pictures your salvation, and it is a beautiful illustration of what happened right after you were saved, after you were converted. One Sunday morning in children's church, a little boy prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the children's minister in that church went up to the little boy and said, now that you've been saved, you need to be baptized. The little boy uh, did just what the children's minister said he went and found the pastor of the church and he said look I've been saved and now I need to be advertised (laughs) he didn't have the word just just exactly right but you know there's a lot of truth to that that's what it is you get baptized and then The world knows what's happened internally by what you do externally. The Lord realizes that you are now a follower of the king, that you are now a part of the family of God, that you are now believing in those things that the Holy Bible says. You're saying, hey, look, I belong to Jesus. You're advertising uh, the good word uh, for Jesus. While baptism is not necessary to salvation, it is necessary to obedience. The scripture says, believe and be baptized. And obedience is necessary for joy and faithfulness in our Christian life. There is a master to confess His name is Jesus. There is a message to convey, the wonderful gospel message. And there is a mandate to complete, that we are to follow the Lord's example and be baptized in living water. Today, if there are those folks in our service that would like to trust in Christ, that's the first thing, to die unto sin and self. And then place your faith and your trust in him. And then to follow him in believer's baptism. I hope and pray today if there are those in the congregation that need a church home, that are strong Christians, you've been a Christian perhaps for years and years and years. If you'd like to come and join with us, we'd love to have you. The doors of the church are wide open. And we pray that you would come and place your life right in the middle of this ministry. We're going to stand in just a moment and sing. I'll be standing right down here at the front.
If the Lord leads you, you just slip out and slip forward, taking a stand for Jesus. Let's stand as we sing together.